1: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Each year, there are more than 3 million incidents of stalking in the United States, and fewer than 15% of cases result in prosecution. In 2012, a man was brought to trial in the state of Texas for stalking a woman he met in 2009. Over the course of a few years, this man's obsession quickly escalated from disturbing to violent. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the chilling stalking case of David Mickey. It's 2009, and 31 year old David McGee is walking into a local CVS pharmacy in southwest Dallas, Texas. Meanwhile, a young woman named Sharmika is standing in the pain medication aisle, searching for some relief for her recently sprained ankle. As David makes his way down the aisles, he bumps into this young woman and strikes up a casual conversation. David offers an amusing quip that makes Sharmika laugh. Her defenses are down now, and she's beginning to warm up to this stranger. After engaging in brief, easygoing conversation, David and Sharmika agree to meet up later in the night. But Sharmika informs David that before they can meet up, she must stop at home to change clothes first. You see, Sharmika was on her way home from working her job as an associate unit manager in an HIV clinic for Dallas County, and so she wanted to change out of her work clothes before the date. Before leaving the pharmacy, The two exchange numbers and agree to see each other shortly. Their first date is at a steakhouse in downtown Dallas. As they sip on their drinks and get to know each other between bites of food, the conversation flows easily. Sharmika thinks David is funny. She appreciates how they both have similar tastes in music. And most important of all, she likes how they both are religious and how active David is in his church. David McGee had a relatively normal upbringing in Texas. His family went to church, he went to school, played sports, and every evening he sat down at the dinner table with his family. Around 18 years old, David immersed himself in different roles in a Protestant ministry. Around this time, David was offered a position as a youth pastor at a church, and he gladly accepted. David's involvement in the church is something that really attracts Sharmika to him. During the date, Sharmika makes it clear what her boundaries are. She tells David that at this point in her life, She isn't really looking for anything serious. She would be open to being just friends, nothing more. And David agrees. He tells Sharmika that he's comfortable only getting to know Sharmika in a casual way, as just friends. In the following months, the two go out on several more dates together. Sometimes Sharmika would initiate contact with David. They'd meet up and she would sip wine as David ate, and they would just talk about life. It was all very mellow and easy. At this point in their friendship, Sharmika feels comfortable inviting David to come see where she lives. One night, she invites David over to her place, and they end up having sex for the first time. And this is where their relationship took a turn from just friends to something more. It's also the point where Sharmika begins to notice some major red flags about David McGee. After two or three months of hooking up with David, David, Sharmika begins to notice some red flags. Although David appeared to be comfortable with a casual relationship with Sharmika, there were patterns in his behavior that were pointing to the opposite. Red flag number one. Sharmika begins to notice that David is becoming more controlling. For instance, David is always telling her to call him when she arrives at her various destinations throughout the day. Understandably, Sharmika finds this overbearing because she doesn't want to constantly check in with David every time she makes a move. It begins to feel like David is crossing one of Sharmika's boundaries. She begins to wonder, if the relationship is just casual, why does David need to know where she is at all times? Red flag number two. David often begins to accuse Sharmika of seeing other people behind his back. David begins expressing concerns about Sharmika's friendships with the opposite sex. He believes that men and women cannot be just friends. Red flag number three. One night, Sharmika is attending an event with her sorority sisters that David has not been invited to. However, he suddenly shows up there unannounced and unwelcomed. This violation of her boundaries really upsets Sharmika. However, for whatever reason, this is not Sharmika's breaking point. Instead, she continues the relationship with David, possibly hoping that he would change or come to his senses about everything. But David's controlling behavior only escalates. By July 4th, 2009, David's behavior only worsens. Her parents are celebrating the 4th with a party at their home. David is calling and texting Sharmika incessantly. But Sharmika is not responding to David's attempts to reach her. So David decides he's going to drive over to Sharmika's parents' house. When David McGee unexpectedly appears outside Sharmika's parents' home, Sharmika and her mother are outside the house talking on the porch. All of a sudden, Sharmika and her mother look toward the street and see David driving slowly past the house. He doesn't roll his window down and wave at them. He doesn't park the car and say hi. He just rolls by. And this unsettles Sharmika in a major way because she told David she would be at her parents' house but David was coming by to check on her despite knowing where she was. This incident is the final straw for Sharmika. Sharmika realizes that it's time for her to end things with David McGee. On August 4th, 2009, after five months of dating, Sharmika makes the decision to end her relationship with David McGee. The red flags were starting to stack up, one after the other. Too many to count. But Sharmika ending the relationship only makes David upset. He isn't willing to take Sharmika's no for an answer. On the day Sharmika breaks up with David, he follows her in his car. When Sharmika pulls onto the highway where the speed limit is 70, David begins to aggressively pursue her in his own car. At first, he is following behind her, but then he abruptly pulls in front of her car and slams on his brakes. Fortunately, Sharmika is able to react quickly and safely by swerving into a lane where there are no cars. But when she drives past David, she catches this creepy and disturbing look in his eyes. All she can see in his eyes is contempt. At this point, Sharmika is really scared because this is the first time David has ever put her life in danger. He really tried to cause her serious harm. All Sharmika wants at this point is to have david out of her life forever but david has other plans on august 4th 2009 the night he tries to hit sharmika with his car david heads over to sharmika's house to pick up his belongings he left there while there david and sharmika have a verbal dispute sharmika asks david many times to leave her property but david insists on getting his stuff before leaving When David fails to leave after being asked several times, Sharmika threatens to call the police. As she is walking towards the phone, David rushes past her, pushing her in the process, and storms into her bedroom and yanks the base of the landline telephone out of the wall. On his way out of her house, he shoves Sharmika into the wall again. After this physical altercation, Sharmika was able to call the police. By the time they arrive, David McGee is gone. But shortly after Sharmika informed the police of what happened, David McGee is arrested and charged with assault. For the briefest of moments, Sharmika takes a sigh of relief. Finally, this man is out of her life, and maybe he finally gets the idea. Maybe he finally understands that Sharmika wants nothing to do with him anymore. But as we know, nothing in the justice system is rarely that easy. Eight days later, David McGee is released from jail, due to a lack of evidence. Sharmika was hoping that once David knew the police were involved and that she wasn't scared to call the police on him, that the stalking would end. But it did not. Instead, McGee's obsession with Sharmika only grew deeper and more sinister. After McGee's short stint in jail, he resumes his controlling behavior and haunts every inch of Sharmika's life. McGee calls Sharmika all day long. If Sharmika blocks the number, McGee just uses another number to call her. And once she blocks that new number, he sends email after email. And sometimes, he even shows up at her job unannounced. Eventually, Sharmika is forced to change her life because of David's disturbing behavior. First, she begins with changing the time she goes into work. Then the route she takes to work. When she arrives at the gym, there's McGee pulling into the parking lot right there with her. David makes troubling calls to Sharmika in the morning saying things like, You look so pretty. I like the color you have on. Making it obvious to her that he is always watching her from somewhere she can't see him. Obviously, all of this takes a tremendous emotional and mental toll on Sharmika. On many days, she struggles to get out of bed in the mornings and she is constantly afraid. However, after months of harassment, Sharmika is finally able to secure a protective order against David McGee. This protective order makes it so that McGee is legally prohibited from all contact with Sharmika. But again, this does nothing to stop McGee because he continues to call her over and over again. Whenever McGee calls, Sharmika pleads with him to stop. She reminds him of the protective order, and she continually threatens to call the police. But still, he persists. Over time, these calls turn very inappropriate, and he often makes suggestive sexual remarks about Sharmika. After weeks of harassing phone calls, David McGee escalates and directs his aggression and obsession towards Sharmika's home. One night, he drives his car across her lawn, leaving track marks, and slams his car into her garage, leaving substantial damage to her property. At one point, her front door is kicked in, windows are shattered, and the window screens were also pulled out. Sharmika knows that no one else would do this except for David. Now that it is clear her home isn't safe for her anymore, Sharmika truly feels powerless. She begins to question how far David is willing to go to get his way, and she becomes terrified. Throughout August 2009, officers are repeatedly called to Sharmika's property. In 2009, the patrol officer who responds to Sharmika's burglary call into the Duncanville Police Department is Michael Jones. On one particular day, he responds to a scene where there is damage to Sharmika's back door and one of the windows on her house. This officer also takes note that the back door has been kicked in. To him, it's obvious that someone had been inside of her house. Officer Jones also learns that one of Sharmika's neighbors had a disturbing interaction with David McGee on Sharmika's property. Apparently, in the early morning hours, McGee had asked the neighbor about gun laws. It is at this point that Officer Jones is truly in fear for Sharmika's life, but his hands are tied and there's nothing he can really do from a legal perspective. The damage to Sharmika's property on its own is not enough evidence in a stalking case. What the police need is definitive evidence of property damage and physical bodily harm to her that would directly tie to David McGee. Sharmika's fears only grow. She feels she can't successfully protect herself from this man, and now she is learning that neither can the police. And without the help of police intervention, McGee just grows bolder. He keeps knocking out Sharmika's windows, increases the number of times he calls her on a daily basis, and shows up to Sharmika's gym every day. He continues to bombard Sharmika with messages like, You should turn your porch light on. It's good for your safety and security. See, I always look out for you. There were also threats against the property of Sharmika's friends and loved ones. The severity of McGee's behavior continues to intensify day by day, month by month. On one particular day, McGee pulls up to Sharmika's house with pictures of her that she didn't know he had. As he stands in Sharmika's front doorway, he begins performing sexual acts on himself while holding those pictures of Sharmika in his hand. After this incident, Sharmika decides to move in with her parents. At this point, she no longer feels safe and honestly, she feels she has no other option. And I don't blame her. If the justice system couldn't protect her, she knew her father would do whatever he could to protect her. Her father even admits that he prepared himself to kill McGee if necessary. He began to feel like he had no other choice if the police weren't able to do anything about it. Throughout Sharmika's relationship with David, her father recognized how David would try to isolate Sharmika from her family at times. After she broke things off with David and the stalking and harassment began, her father really began to worry because he felt like his daughter would come up dead at any minute. Despite Sharmika moving in with her family, David McGee continues to stalk her for another 18 months. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast.
1: According to SPARC, or the Stocking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center, quote, "While legal definitions of stalking vary between states and jurisdictions, a good working definition of stalking is a pattern of behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear for their safety or the safety of others or suffer substantial emotional distress, End quote. Nearly one in three women and one in six men have experienced stalking victimization at some point in their lifetime. And most people are stalked by someone they know. 40% of people are stalked by a current or former intimate partner while 42% are stalked by an acquaintance. According to Spark, stalkers use all sorts of tactics to stalk their victims. They may make unwanted phone calls, approach the victim or show up in places when the victim does not want them to. They may also follow and watch the victim or send unwanted texts, photos, emails, and messages through social media. Some other tactics of stalkers include sending unwanted gifts and or using technology to monitor, track, and or spy on the victim. This obsessive, violent, and controlling behavior from McGee was so foreign and startling. Up until this relationship with McGee, Sharmika had never experienced a relationship where there was physical violence. Sharmika didn't know when the stalking would end, or if it would ever end at all. She feared for her life all the time. But things finally took a positive turn for Sharmika in May 2011. In May 2011, McGee is finally arrested on the charge of stalking outside Sharmika's workplace. And 14 months after McGee's arrest, prosecutor Stephanie Huff decides to bring David McGee's case to trial. And this action ends up saving Sharmika's life. When Stephanie Huff first looks at the case before her, she's alarmed by the sheer number of police reports. She discovers over 2,000 pages of records. One of the first steps Huff takes in preparing the case against McGee is obtaining McGee's text messages. These messages are extracted from Sharmika's cell phone, and what is discovered is shocking. The text messages reveal that there was one instance where David McGee messaged every male contact in Sharmika's phone, her father, brother, all her male friends, and sent extremely sexually degrading messages about her to them. And if what I've already told you about this case doesn't provide you with a portrait of the type of man David McGee is, I have more. His interviews on the Netflix docuseries, I Am a Stalker, are incredibly illuminating and offer a glimpse into his mental state and self-perception. For one, this man consistently denies all the charges against him. My impression of him is that he pontificates about nothing. One of those people who talks a lot without really saying anything. What I say next may seem trivial, but trust me, it isn't. When talking, he frequently refers to women as females. And we get another glimpse into his perspective on women and dating when he says, quote, I've never used the term date very much. I don't really get into the whole whining and dining and trying to impress them, meaning women, and spending money for them to be around you. I've never really bought into that way of thinking, end quote. Now, this podcast is not the platform for me to get into why this is disturbing, but if you know, you know. In the interviews, the viewer gets a sense that David McGee is arrogant at times, completely lacks self-awareness, and is not remorseful for any of his actions. In fact, he never takes accountability. This all brings me to Prosecutor Stephanie Huff's conclusions about McGee. That McGee knew what he was doing. And she comes to this conclusion based on the fact That David McGee wouldn't use his name in the text messages most of the time, and none of his cell phones were ever in his name. He knew not to leave behind a trail of evidence for police. Despite all the disturbing text messages Huff is able to uncover, the case is difficult to pull together. It's difficult to show how McGee was a threat to Sharmika because the case is still just circumstantial. No one ever saw McGee do these terrifying things to Sharmika, so at this point in the case, the pressure is on Prosecutor Huff to find more damning evidence. In general, stalking cases are very difficult to prove because everyone expects DNA, video footage, and even eyewitness testimony to corroborate a victim's allegations. But unfortunately, quite often, stalking cases don't have much of this. And most of the time in Texas, stalking cases only result in probation or a minimum of two years in prison. So, to secure a significant prison sentence, Huff needs to adequately demonstrate McGee's ongoing threat to society. In 2012, the stakes are very high for Sharmika's case. It feels like if they don't get a conviction, McGee might hurt Sharmika, or worse, he could kill her. Prosecutor Huff begins to extend her investigation into David McGee's past, and what she unearths is so chilling. Huff finds police reports filed back in 2002 against McGee, which had never been brought to trial. The police reports show that there were a number of women who had issues with David McGee. There was one woman who he physically assaulted and another lady where he left a voicemail saying, Your life will be miserable. I have a key to your house. I'm going to be waiting in your house one night, and I'm going to F you up. Amongst these reports, Huff also learns of another case which began in 2004 and had chilling similarities to Sharmika's case. Prior to Sharmika, David was in another relationship with another woman. This relationship dated back as far as 2004 and continued until 2009, which is around the time he met Sharmika. When this woman attempted to end things with McGee, much like with Sharmika, he called this woman's job repeatedly to harass her throughout the day, calling her at home, damaging her property and threatening to assault her and her family. However, in this case, McGee also physically assaulted the woman on other occasions, breaking her nose, strangling her, forcing her to have sex, and he even threatened to beat her brains out and kill her and dispose of her body in a river. This is the same man who quotes scripture and uses his role as a pastor to come across as a great man. That's until you get to know him. It seemed like because he ended up finding Sharmika, maybe that's why he finally left this other woman alone. It was like he found his new obsession with Sharmika. But because he finally left the woman alone, she said she didn't want to prosecute McGee for his crimes. Huff determines through her extensive research into his criminal past that David McGee is a sexual deviant predator that stalked and harassed numerous women over several years. These records established a pattern of behavior, that McGee did this to other women too. With this new knowledge about McGee's past, it becomes even more important for Huff to ask for as much time as possible in prison for this case. It is July 2012, three years after Sharmika's first complaint to police, and the state of Texas versus David McGee begins. Understandably, Sharmika is nervous when she first sees David in court, but she looks him straight in his eyes, determined to put an end to the past few years of hell she has endured. During the course of the trial, Sharmika agrees to take the stand. The defense attorneys have a job to do, and they try to make Sharmika feel like she is the one on trial. At one point, it's even suggested that she teased David, that she was asking for him to follow her and send inappropriate messages. The defense also provides character witnesses. McGee has a list of people from his church that take the stand to talk about his character as an ordained minister. His family speaks on his behalf as well. As the trial comes to a close, Sharmika hopes for the best, but she's also preparing for the worst. She's hoping for a guilty verdict. but... She already knows that stalking cases are hard to prove, and that there may be the possibility that the jury could come back with a verdict not in her favor. It is July 27, 2012, and the jury has an answer. The jury finds David McGee guilty of felony degree stalking. His documented history of violence alters his sentence, though, and David McGee receives the maximum possible penalty of 20 years in prison. Locked away in prison, David McGee struggles to accept his conviction as a stalker. He claims Sharmika was never in any danger and he doesn't believe he was stalking her. McGee also says that the damage to Sharmika's property was all, quote, boogeyman talk, because there was no witness to him damaging the property and because nothing from her house was stolen. He refers to the past women he has stalked and harassed as victims, but using air quotes, He refers to those cases as allegations that, quote, never turned out to be anything. He also doesn't believe that the number of times he repeatedly called Sharmika caused her to be in fear for her life. He says, quote, at no time can anybody show you a scratch, a scar, a broken nail, a bloody lip, a hair out of place. Yeah, nobody can show you that. That's what I know, and that's what's documented, end quote. It's clear this man is delusional and in denial about his actions, as there are literal police records that have logged the abuse women have suffered by his hand. In the interview in the Netflix docuseries I Am a Stalker, the Red Flags episode, McGee talks about how there are other women in his life who wouldn't believe him to be the type of guy to hurt women from, quote, strippers to prostitutes to church missionaries. It's evident that he thinks he can charm everyone and that he can spin the narrative in his favor, despite the physical evidence and proof that he committed those crimes against women. When asked if he had remorse for what happened to Sharmika, David McGee said, quote, what happened that I'm supposed to have remorse for, End quote. So it's obvious he has no remorse and believes he was wrongfully convicted. He says he wouldn't do anything differently with Sharmika and the other women he harassed, except for not having sex with them. He goes on to suggest that sex clouds judgment and that with sex, problems begin. And I'm sure that that is true for a sexual deviant like himself who doesn't know how to take no for an answer. In 2021, David McGee completed half of his 20-year sentence at the Alfred D. Hughes unit in Gatesville, Texas. For the remaining 10 years of his sentence, McGee will be eligible for parole. But I feel this man is clearly a danger to society, to women, and he should not be paroled. As for McGee's future plans, his goal is to still work in the ministry, as he says this is his passion. David McGee's predicted release date is April 2031. According to Spark, intimate partner stalkers are the most likely stalkers to approach, threaten, and harm their victims. Research into stalking cases also showed that 11% of stalking victims have been stalked for five years or more, and more than twice as many victims are stalked with technology than without. Although stalking is often overlooked in the true crime space, it is a real problem and often leads to more violent crimes. The main way to fight back against stalking is to equip yourself and others with knowledge about this crime so less victims of stalking feel alone and hopeless and so that stalkers can no longer thrive in the isolation, fear, and stigma that they place upon their victims. If you want to learn more about stalking, I've linked a fact sheet in the show notes. I've also provided a link to a resource for those who have experienced stalking in the past or think they may be experiencing stalking now and need help. When the jury came back with the guilty verdict, it was a sigh of relief for Sharmika. She hugged her parents and thanked them for helping her. She hugged and thanked Stephanie Huff for believing her story and being willing to take the case to trial, and essentially, for saving her life. She cried tears of relief because she finally regained her freedom. She could go back to living her life without having to look over her shoulder. But the emotional scars from what McGee put her through are still with her, even over 12 years later. Despite those scars, Sharmika knows that she's fortunate enough to have lived through all of this to tell her story, because many other people do not get that chance. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. If you enjoy the show, please show your support by leaving a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Lost Crimes Library pod. Before you go, make sure you hit the follow button because new episodes drop every Wednesday and you won't want to miss it.